Welcome back. You're listening to episode five of What Does It All Mean podcast. Happy Wednesday. this week. Greetings, Julia. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. All right, we're going to cover some topics today. Can you hear me well? I want to do a little check to see if you can hear me. Some of the things we're going to cover tonight or this morning, cool, thanks, is um, talk about Einstein's brain. That'll be fun. Uh, Going to Mars. Bam Margera getting dropped from Jackass. Uh, Then some mental illness update. And uh, then I'll open up some questions. And that's about it. So, all right. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, one of the stories that uh, I've been following for a while is is the um, the stealing of Einstein's brain. That is a a fascinating thing. So I, I guess a, a doctor took Einstein's brain after he passed away, and uh, he basically dissected it, cut it up. And, uh, he, uh, he found that one part of the brain in, uh, Einstein's, uh, cortex was bigger than most people. And it was the, the part of the brain that we, we do our mathematics in. And his was 15% greater than pretty much the average. So at that point, that's where that vast, uh, you know, ability to, to, uh, gain information and to, you know, analyze data quickly and, uh, to just to come up with, you know, the theory of relativity and all those other good things. So, uh, just the fact that somebody stole his brain is, is crazy, you know, and I heard there was all these other doctors that, he asked to help him, and they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. But uh, it seems like the the abnormality in his brain, you know, probably comes along once every couple hundred years, you know. So it's it's fascinating because you're never gonna know if you have it until you know you're dead, and they cut up in your brain, or you start you know coming up with some really far out concepts of life. And that's what he did, you know. And uh, I think one of the coolest things that I learned was uh, he met Charlie Chaplin. And they basically, uh, you know, I think it was uh, Einstein says to to Chaplin, you know, they, the world loves you for uh, basically because they, you know, 
they can identify with the things that you create and uh and then you know charlie chaplin says well the world loves you because they don't understand the things that you create something along the lines of that which i find fascinating you know that those two great minds actually came together so anyways no one's stealing this brain <clears throat> all right i got my my tie iced tea i'm ready to go okay well We'll move on to the next topic. I always thought that was just fun, uh, fascinating, though, that someone actually stole his brain because they were, they were, uh, they wanted to figure out why he knew so much, you know, and, and how he could wrap his mind around such vast ideas that we still hold on to today. And one thing that I found sad was that he, uh, he, you know, once they used his his ideas for destruction, you know, like the nuclear weapons, uh, at that point, he said that he wished that he'd rather be like a, like a house painter or just something like, you know, not a scientist. So, well, thank you, Julie. You're clever as well. So, all right. All right, so this is the next uh, next topic I want to get into. It, it's you know we're all going to Mars. Like Elon Musk is is ready to go to Mars, and <clears throat> you know these 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 things are fascinating to me, and I want to know what what the world thinks. I want to know what you think, Julia. I want to know what you know. You know, obviously going to Mars is going to be a uh, a future thing, no matter what. We're we're landing, I think, two two of these, you know, orbiter drones on Mars this week. And, uh, at that point, obviously there's, you know, real interest in real estate in Mars. And, uh, I'm fascinated, of course. I think it's, it's a interesting idea, but here's where the, the devil's advocate comes in. And, uh, you know, so I read an article this week that <clears throat> Bill Gates Basically, uh, you know, they asked him, what do you think about the whole Mars idea? And he says, you know, well, uh, he, he kind of thinks it's a waste, you know, like we're spending a lot of money, like tons of money going to Mars while we have a pandemic and, you know, situations on Earth that could be, you know, taken care of before we, uh, you know, set, settle to Mars, you know, cause I mean, realistically it, it, here's where it's at, you know, we're, we're supposedly going to terraform Mars. Okay. So that's going to take roughly, I think 300 years. Um, so 300 years, I, I get that. And, but I, I, I'm kind of leaning for the, uh, the, the Bill Gates side, like, you know, he, he's actually putting his, his money where his mouth is. He's, he's investing in these vaccines and he's trying to help the people of the world. And I'm not saying Elon, Elon Musk is not. I just think that he has different priorities. And uh, at that point, you know, putting your name on a planet, 
I think that's really what it is for him. And I think Bill Gates seems a little bit more humble and wants to save this one. But here's the devil adds advocate in that one. You know, if, say, some asteroid someday does come and, you know, hit us like the dinosaurs and, and start to wipe us out, and we have an exit plan to, to, say, Mars, that's where, you know, that's where you kind of, and that can happen. You know, we can be hit, we can be wiped out at any time. I don't think we have any defense for stuff like that. So, where does it lie, you know? Uh, Julie asked, would I go? Would I go to Mars? I don't, I don't think right now, if you hit me up in 30 years right now, like in 30 years from now, if we have like at least some kind of, um, <clears throat> encampment where you can go and you know hang out for a little while and it's safe and people have been going back and forth for 10 plus years and no accidents you know then I'll go but as for now I I love earth I think earth is pretty amazing and if we don't get hit by anything I'm cool with being on earth for this this lifetime you know I think it's pretty fun we've got we've got tons of things and if we get if we get our shit together, then, you know, like, what, 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 why do we want to go to a dead planet, you know, and, and here's where it, it gets even crazier, you, you know, if you look at that planet, that planet doesn't have a atmosphere, which is very interesting, and it's also got signs of, uh, like, radiation debris, so, like, the radiation debris, uh, could be the reason that, uh, hence the atmosphere is is not there and one of these concepts is that that us as man started on mars and we uh you know built up a society much like the one that we have today and instead of um you know <clears throat> working from a place of peace we started working from a place of fear and it, it you know probably like a World War Three type environment happened, and at that point, you know, a nuclear uh, ending could have happened to that planet, because there's a big just crack on that planet where something blew it up, or something hit it, something that they can't really figure out, and they have uh, come to a conclusion that there was like a nuclear, uh, you know, debris or a nuclear fallout from that and, and nuclear as in like man-made so at that point you know if we really did blow up mars and and make it to earth and now we're trying to go back to mars and fix it that just seems redundant and is that is that what we're going to keep doing just you know hopping a planet to planet and just destroying it you know I hope not. I hope that's not really the, uh, I hope sooner or later we learn to get our stuff together and, you know, move from a place of like curiosity instead of fear. You know, if we did that, it'd be rad. So. Oh, thank you. Uh, Julie says, we need you and your amazing music. Thank you. Well, yes, I would like to play you know, to think about playing music on another planet, too, is, is crazy. 
I mean, imagine playing music on the moon. If I could bring my guitar on, you know, Mars, what would it sound like, you know? Because the gravity's different there with my strings, but I need bigger strings. Like, you just don't know. So, <clears throat> I think going to Mars would definitely be fun, but I would want to do it at the, the, the later stages of my life. You know, I still, like I said, maybe in 30 years where I'm getting close anyways, you know, where something goes wrong, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right. So I don't know who I really agree with, you know, is, is Elon Musk right? Is Bill Gates right? Who knows? All right, so let's move on to the next topic. So I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the Bam Margera video this week. It was really sad, and uh, they're they're doing a jackass, and I guess they dropped Bam Margera, and uh, all I saw was just the video from Bam, and he looked really sad and really um, you know depressed. And he's one of the, the, the creators of, of, you know, Jackass. And I've watched that stuff from the beginning, like pre-Jackass when it was CKY. And he was there doing these pranks with his parents and all this stuff way before Jackass. And so this is where, you know, like it gets complicated that, you know, Bam obviously looks like he is still drinking and having problems, you know, but who doesn't, you know, that's life. That's what we do. We, we have issues and problems, but it seems like the people from Jackass are really making him jump through all these hoops just to, just to, you know, film him getting, you know, hit by carts and all kinds of crazy shit. What, you know, what's the point of that? You know, so <clears throat> He started getting really depressed when his friend Ryan Dunn passed away. And uh, that's been, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It's been a while now. And so it doesn't go, that, that feeling doesn't go away. And <clears throat> recently my friend passed away, uh, you know, Robert. And last episode I showed you the physical, you know, uh, effects of depression of how, you know, the first podcast I ever did was was when my friend Robert was, you know, he was alive and I looked healthy. I looked happy. And by the very next episode, he had passed away and I looked like someone had hit me physically. And I had no, you know, I didn't do anything. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing anything to, to, you know, ease my pain, but I still physically looked like I was beat up, you know, and that's stuff that, you know, whether you want to think that you're strong or not, like, depression always creeps in, you know, and there's nothing that you can do, or nah, nothing that I can do to really stop that pain, except for just thinking about, you know, that person head on about who I lost and, and trying to think about a, a I don't know, a, a situation that we had that was good instead of thinking about, you know, oh, they're not here anymore. You know, and and because that's what happens. You think, oh, they're not here. What could I have done? You know, if I would have done this, would they still be here? You know, and of course that that's gonna go through your head all 
forever. But like what I also think on the other side of that factor is if you ever lost someone, I'm sure if they're on the other side, they're not sitting there going, you know, hey, bam, hey, James, I hope, you know, you guys are sitting there in misery doing nothing, you know, that doesn't, you know, if I ever passed away, I wouldn't want my friends sitting around moping for me. Maybe a couple days, day or two, sure. Three days, sure. But once it goes past like a week, two weeks, then at that point, if I was on the other side, I would, I'd want to have my friends snap out of it, you know? So, because I mean, we're all going to die. There's no getting away from it. So, and I think a lot of that has to do you know, I think a lot of substance abuse has to do with running away from these problems, you know, like your friends passing away. You know, what do we got here? Grief is a difficult process. This is from Julia. It's like a blow to the head. Exactly. It's, it's something that, uh, we all, we all, it's, it's generic, but we all handle differently, you know, and, uh, it's tough. And, uh, like I said, as as for Bam Margera, I I really hope that uh, that guy lives to like you know a hundred years old. I think he's a wonderful dude. I really love Bam, and I feel for him. And uh, you know, one thing I can say is I'm sure Ryan's just not you know is hoping that he gets over all this, you know. And same with my friend Robert. You know, it's like I know that he's <clears throat> sitting around somewhere hoping that you know that I move on from this and so but then it gets to that point where where does it creep in you know like to that to the mental illness point when you keep going down that that fearful path of of uh of you know just that dark place it gets all of us and then you gotta get a cat like Mr. Magoo that opens up my door Friggin' one o'clock in the morning. Hold on, let me change. Let me close this door. Sorry, it's, it's my cat, everybody, for the people in the audio. My cat opens up the door. That's a way to get rid of depression. Get a rescue animal. We brought in my friend Sebastian recently, and he uh, he talked about his rescue animals. All right. <clears throat> So, like, what I was saying about the the, the mental illness, we'll, we'll get back to that, is um, I did a, a story last week about the homeless in Laguna Beach, and uh, I got a, a letter from, from one of my friends. I lived in Laguna for a while, and he uh, he just wanted to give me an, an update of what has happened since I've been there, because... I haven't lived in Laguna for about probably seven or eight years now. And the last time I was there, uh, it seemed like they were getting a handle on the homeless in a, in a positive way. They opened up the shelters. They started uh, trying to get these people, you know, razors and, and, and things that they had asked for. And so right after the story came out, one of my best friends who... Uh, you know, he kind of has been on the scene out there. He told me, he's like, yeah, it's totally changed. Everything in Laguna's changed. 
and I got to go down there and check it out. And so I took his advice. I went down there and, you know, usually you'd see, I don't know, probably like seven, seven to 10 homeless people out in front of, uh, you know, main beach. And, uh, I didn't really see any, I saw one, I saw one person not near main beach, but, uh, kind of like on the South side. And, uh, my friend was right. He basically said that uh, Laguna, once again, was just starting to round up people and kick them out again. And uh, I don't know if that's true, but I believe my friend. And so, um, you know, he said that basically a lot of people are uh, kind of dying on the streets out there. And uh, I mean, come on, the covid Come on, I guarantee that's that's the case. He, one of his friends just passed away on the streets, which is just crazy to think of. And when I lived there, that was a common thing, <clears throat> you know, because the the homeless encampments in the the uh, in the middle of the canyon of Laguna Canyon, and there's this road that is just really dangerous. And to get to that to that homeless encampment, you've got to walk through this really treacherous road and. And all the time, they just get they get hit by cars, so it's <clears throat> really sad. So, I'm kind of bummed that uh, that that's happening. If that's the case, you know that that we're still at the point where we're treating uh, our homeless people like they're just trash, and uh, you know. But some of them don't want help. You know, back to the, being the devil's advocate. Some of them don't want help, and, and it's hard. You know, uh, I have people that work with you know, homeless people in, in hotels. And I, I know people that have, you know, dealt with these people firsthand and some of them just don't want help. And, and it's hard. And that is the mental illness stuff. And what I was talking with my friend, uh, Ken about was, you know, how in the eighties, uh, up until the eighties, we had these, you know, mental illness hospitals where people could go, if they had problems, they could check in, they could get help if they had substance abuse, if they just had schizophrenia, whatever that may be, they had a place to go get help. And uh, in the 80s, like Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan took all that away. And uh, at that point, he closed all those those places. And uh, at that point, all of the uh, the people with mental illness had no place to go. So then that's where this huge homeless problem started. So flash to 2021, you have Skid Row in, you know, Los Angeles. That's just, it's out of control and it's going to get worse and worse and worse because, you know, the mental illness, no one takes care of it, you know, and it's, it's sad. And I don't know if this is true, London, uh, uh, Julia, I know in London, uh, I've heard that they actually have places where, uh, homeless people can go like little bungalows you know, that, that the homeless people have a place to stay, you know, here it, it, there's nothing. Let me know if that's true. It could just be another uh, ridiculous article that I've, uh, read, you know, you know, you never know what to, to believe on, uh, on the interweb, but she says, yes, it's true. See, I mean, that's amazing. You know, that, that, here we don't really have that we have very little places in at least california where people can get their shit together which is sad you know because dolphins this is this is how it is dolphins 
it, say there's a sick dolphin, right? And, you know, dolphins are all, they're all like pod animals. Like they're, they, they like to be together. And uh, say there's whatever, 12 dolphins floating around and one of the dolphins just isn't as strong as the other one. Maybe he's got a messed up fin or like something's wrong with him. Uh, instead of letting that dolphin just, you know, die from loneliness and depression because he can't hang out, the uh, head of the dolphin pack will assign different dolphins to go and hang out with that that lonely dolphin. So that dolphin never feels like he's an outcast. He always feels like he's part of the pack. And not only that, he's feeling like he's almost more special because all of his buddies are, are taking turns saying hi to him. To me, that's what we should be doing with, with the homeless people. You know, uh, I don't want to say homeless people as in like they're different. They're the same as us. And, and that's the point. They're just, they're, some of them are just the dolphins that are just like down on their luck and, you know, I think until we get a real handle on uh, these things, at least in America, it's, it's you know, it's going to get worse. Because over here, Julia's skid row, skid row is like, it's like, I think, a, it's a huge amount of area in Los Angeles where it's just people live and... Uh, they're not living in the best conditions, and I guarantee that COVID is just rampant in there. And uh, it's really sad. So Julie says a support system, definitely. That's what it is. And I think more compassion, more caring. You know, like for me, every time uh, somebody asks me for some money, it's funny, you know. Like there's so many homeless people that like when I go to the ATM, <clears throat> I went the other day and there's always someone sitting in front of the the ATM and they're always like hey do you got a couple bucks or something and I really don't but like I mean I do because like I work so at that point you know I'll give them some money and so when I give them the money they always say like like God bless you you know something to that 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 deal and you know I'm not a real religious person <clears throat> but in the back of my head I feel like some of these homeless people are just like like tests, you know, like God's tests, you know, like, like in the back of your head, you know, you, you, you might not have that money, but you know, you're going to have it. So like, you know, is like the higher power testing you, you know, is he testing you? And, and when you pass the test, you, you know, is that where that God bless you comes? Like, cause they all say it, you know? And, and this is, this is a funny story. <clears throat> I was walking out of Albertson's uh, like three months ago and I saw this homeless guy and he looked at me and I, I had two bags of, of food and he looked at me and he said, <clears throat> he said, you know, Hey, do you have some food? I'm like, well, of course I do. I've got two bags of food, but James, good morning. Like I said, uh, before I've really gotten into cooking. So, uh, at that point, you know, everything that I had in my bag was uh, ingredients that you had to cook. And so I, I tried to tell him that, but he was so far away. I, I just looked at him and I said, I, I've got to cook everything. There's there's nothing in here I can give you. And then he looked at me kind of like I was strange. And then I felt weird. 
So <clears throat> I, I, I ran over to Subway and then I bought him a sandwich and then I drove around looking for him and he disappeared. And finally, when I found him at the bus stop, I, I ran up to him and he looked really scared. And I go, hey man, like, I wanted to tell you that, you know, I couldn't give you food earlier because I, I, have to, I had to make all this stuff. But like, here's a Subway sandwich and, you know, boom. And he looked at me like, like, am I a cop? Like, what's going on? And then he took the sandwich and he smiled and he said, God bless you. And it was once again, like, you know, I don't even like sharing that story because, you know, who cares about me giving a sandwich? The, the, the story is like, are these, these really tests, you know, are these, uh, these homeless people like just angels in disguises and just trying to test us to make sure that we're still in check with, uh, who we are, you know? So, heck yeah. Good morning, James. I love that uh, the two people that are listening are in London. That was the best. Because here it is 12.30 in the morning. I got my Thai iced tea. I'm ready to go. 12, okay, it's 12.31. Let's see, what do I got? Did I get through everything? Oh, okay. <laughs> I got one more topic. <clears throat> so I woke up this morning to a, a message from one of my good friends, and he said, uh, he said, I'm, uh, oh, James says, I'm walking down the street on the way to my mom's, that's awesome, tell her I say hello, her and, and Charlie, so tell them I say hello, <clears throat> so I get this text this morning, uh, or yesterday morning, and basically it said, did you know that, uh, I'm, it said like, I'm falling down the rabbit hole, uh, quickly. Do you know, did you know that like Chester Barrington from some group and, uh, somebody else got killed by Bono and Bob Geldof? And I was like, wow, like, <laughs> like, man, like, like I get it. Like you're you're you are you're watching something like a YouTube video at three thirty in the morning, and anything's possible, you know. But like when I wake up and I see that at ten o'clock in the morning, ten a.m., to me I'm just thinking in the back of my head, this is just this is total bullshit, you know. And and a lot of the conspiracy things, and this is what the topic is going to be under is conspiracy, you know, theories is uh is bullshit and misinformation and people being bored on the interweb you know so <clears throat> like basically i want to you know just talk about that for about 15 minutes and if you guys have any conspiracies that you know of just throw them out there and like the wildest shit ever just throw them out there so uh where does the 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 theory you know, where does the term conspiracy theory come from? It is a, a term that started when JFK uh, was assassinated and the, the public, the U.S. public, wasn't buying the explanation that the Warren Commission gave them. And at that point, every American was just like coming up with these, these 
you know, theories of who killed them. And it, and it got so big that it was just, that's what everyone was talking about. So the government wanted to put a kibosh on that because obviously they weren't telling the truth. And uh, so they needed to come up with a, you know, like a, a communist word. And uh, that communist word was, you know, conspiracy theorist. And if you thought against what the Warren Commission said, then you were a, a conspiracy theorist. And uh, it's just an easy way to start calling people communist, you know, communist again. Like you're red or, or whatever that may be. And uh, so then people stopped talking so much about, you know, these things because they were starting to be labeled which is amazing because then at that point whatever it may be whether it be aliens whether it be uh you know as julia says was trump a conspiracy theory you know as trump goes i don't really want to talk about po politics so much on this show but uh you know to address your your question i think trump is just an uh egotistical guy, egotistical maniac that, that can't even see the writing on the wall, and uh, I'm just glad that he's gone, and uh, Biden said it, he said he just doesn't even want to talk about him anymore, and uh, I did read that there's a book coming out about him being, uh, you know, like, like a, kind of like a KGB spy you know, and, uh, this is all, here we go, we're on the conspiracy theory stuff, like, so, you know, was that true, is it not, who knows, are there, are there tapes of him out there doing crazy stuff, who knows, you know, because I like to get into all the spy stuff, and, and one of the biggest things of, uh, of spying is this thing called the honeypot, and, uh, the honeypot is basically when someone, you know, welcomes you into a, uh, a, uh, you know, like a hotel or something. And they say, Hey, we, we, we've taken care of everything. We've gotten you girls. We've gotten you, you know, champagne, everything's on us. And then, you know, they will have just hidden, you know, video, you know, like spy technology of uh, video cameras. And then whatever they do, they've got them. So that's called a honeypot, and they, they use that. That's one of the, the biggest go-tos with uh, espionage is the honeypot. So, uh, you know, I've heard that conspiracy that there's, there's stuff that they have on him, and they, they uh, basically owned him. But once again, I don't, I've never actually seen any tapes. I've never seen any proof of that, and I don't like to spread misinformation myself. So until I see any proof of that um all i can say is uh you know what i what i saw from this week's trials i feel that he was definitely guilty of uh making all those like crazy people go to uh the capital and 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 do what they did and that's horrible i don't want to even get into that because that was a uh, getting into the political realm but that's where it's hard because with the conspiracy theories that's where a lot of them are rooted in so um, I want to tell you some of the, the ones that I that I've heard that are uh, kind of mind-blowing
so uh the one that i heard that's the the craziest is uh this is just off my little script is uh is franklin roosevelt uh i don't know what year it was he was summoned to go to edwards air force base and uh supposedly there was a uh there was a a spaceship that landed there a spacecraft that landed and uh these alien beings got off and they met with him and then they had to um sign like a uh like a treaty and the treaty was basically saying you know uh like the alien race is allowed to take us and do like you know experiments with us and as long as they returned us we were good to go you know and uh and basically, uh, so this happens, and the treaty signed, and uh, and then, like I guess, they find later on after the treaty signed, they find this this uh, kind of like a Roswell incident where there's this plane that's downed, and they find these alien bodies. But not only that, they find like human body, like human body parts, like they've been dissecting us and just cutting us up and. And and all this to me sounded totally far fetched. Like I was like, this is totally crazy. What are you talking about? And then uh I saw some show where like Roosevelt's granddaughter came out, like actual granddaughter of, of Roosevelt came out and said the same exact story that was presented on, you know, the the, the document that I read. And at that point, that's where things start to add up. Where you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then you have like people like uh, Bill Clinton coming out, like I think about six years ago, saying that, yes, uh, there has to be other civilizations out there. And he said, in the next 20 years, we will be presented to them. You know, they will present themselves to us. And that was like 10 years ago. So at that point... Now there's more leaked documents. There's more leaked evidence um, that a Italian space director came out and said that there's a galactic federation, you know. And and here's where it, it gets interesting, you know. Uh, with the truth, there is always misinformation, like I was talking about before. There's always misinformation, so. They want to spread so much in misinformation that our head is spinning. And, you know, that, that old way that they used to, the X-Files, the truth is out there. Well, yeah, they're going to give you that truth, but they're going to spin it with all of these other lies. So you don't know what is real. And so at that point, the truth is out there, but how do we judge it? Uh, yeah, I love it. James says, I meet them. Heck yeah. Julia, Area 51. Yeah, so then you have people like this dude, Bob Lazar, okay? And since we're on the conspiracy theory, you know, Bob Lazar, there was a movie about him, I think like last year or the year before, and he was a, a, a scientist that worked at, at, it wasn't Area 51, but it was called like, I think like S15 or something like that. And uh, it was... It was, uh, 
a, like a side facility of Area 51 where he uh, basically said that he saw alien technology, he saw a spacecraft, he helped re, uh, reverse, uh, reverse engineer a engine and then he could like completely like draw out for you the engine and how it works, all this stuff. And uh, then he was talking about this element, like I think 115, okay? And this element 115 was like not heard of ever. Like nobody had heard of this, okay? So in the 80s, like Bob Lazar's just coming out and saying, hey, we've got this really sticky, tangible, you know, uh, material that like is like aluminum and 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 we can we can do this crazy stuff with it and 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 uh you know it he sounded like a madman flash to like 2018 and they're like uh we have this thing called uh element 115 <laughs> and they're like that's where okay and then they're like it's this this stuff that's like exactly what bob lazar you know described so at that point you know, like I said, there's misinformation and there's people that are just telling you the truth. And, uh, you know, even in the, the Netflix documentary, they, they, when he started talking about element 115, they busted into his house, they raided it, you know? So like when that stuff happens, there's gotta be some truth to it, you know? So all I'm saying is look out for the misinformation because that, that's what led to the, to the capital you know, the capital riots and the, the resurrection or in, in, insurrection, whatever it was, you know, like these people just jump on the inter interweb and they start looking at these, you know, this QAnon crap or whatever. And, and I'll be honest, I, I did this experiment myself where I opened up like a, a Republican or a right type account just to see what these people were feeling and uh, and I did and it was exactly what you would think they were just they were like us but just like it was a it was like a football game you know like they're the they're the you know whatever team they are they're the the Redskins or whatever and we're the Rams or whatever and they're just f acting out of fear and that fear gets scary because you get all these people in a room and all of a sudden they start talking about Auschwitz and, 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 you know, bringing back like, you know, concentration camps. And, and then you got a scary bunch of people. And at that point, that's the stuff you got to look out for because I guarantee the same stuff happened in Nazi Germany. And at that point they didn't have social media, you know, and the fact that you can just have a lot of money and I can put whatever I want onto social media and there's really no, uh, nothing like Zuckerberg's not going to do anything. Nobody's going to really, there's no accountability anymore, you know? Cause like, like, uh, Tim Cook said, like when you're on these social media platforms, you are now the product, which is a hundred percent true. And me, since I've got things to do on these social media platforms, I'm always, you know, I feel a responsibility of what I say, what I do. You know, I don't want to spread any misinformation and that's why I like to, you know, really check my sources before I start posting things I don't know what I'm talking about. 
you know, and you can't even trust Snopes anymore. You've got to really, you've really got to investigate to, to make sure that there's truth into the things that you're posting and believing. And at that point, you know, it, what is social media really worth? You know, like I, I thought it was supposed to be us hanging out like this and, and just talking and having fun. And the fact that these, these, these things creep in like a, like a virus and they, they want to know what kind of toilet paper you like and, you know, what kind of oil you put in your skin or whatever it may be. It's just creepy, you know, and what's the point and where is it going to, where is it going to end? So anyways, my point is, you know, social media is not going anywhere, you know, and I think it's just us, up to us to really, you know, uh, be more responsible. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I posted a story right when COVID started where I was just like, for sure, this was in a Wuhan lab and there were some mad scientists just like kill all the people. Of course I thought that because, you know, that's what every movie would show us. That's what every fearful, you know, acting out of fear, that's where it came from. You know, every, every movie that you see is that, you know, and, you know, they just said it recently that they're, they're pretty positive that that's not what happened. So, you know, in me posting that, I had one of my good friends just hit me up and they're like, dude, you don't know that for real. Like, you don't know if that's true. So, you know, like, don't be irresponsible and don't post something like that. And I took it down instantly, you know, and ever since that, I was like, dude, I'm going to really watch what I post. So yeah okay now this is where i'm gonna um there's a part in the podcast where it's like they ask me when i upload this is this going to be um explicit so now it's gonna be explicit so uh i'm gonna tell this one story uh and i'm gonna end this podcast and every podcast with uh pretty much uh, details about the story. So I'm in a band, uh, it's called Hurt in the Heartbeat. Uh, we've been together for seven, eight years. And, uh, when we were first starting out, we were, uh, in, uh, we were playing everywhere. Like we'd play a coffee shop one minute, then we'd play, you know, the doll hut, the next, like we, we'd play wherever we could play. And, uh, and one one gig I was working really hard on was this like this this party slash concert in uh I wanna say kinda close to downtown Los Angeles, but more or less like Echo Park. It was an Echo Park, it was this house slash compound, and it looked like it was put on by college students and uh I, I begged to play. The lineup was awesome. It was amazing. All these crazy local bands, some, some big people too. And uh, I just begged the lady, I'm all, hey man, like I really want to get on this gig. I don't care what time we play, I want to get on this gig. And uh, the chick's like, okay, well, 3 a.m. If, you, if you're down to play, your, your slot is at 3 a.m. And I'm like, done. I didn't care. So then I call up my band. I'm all, dude, 3 a.m., like Echo Park we're doing it. And all of them were stoked. We were all happy because that's just, 
that's a weird gig and that sounds like fun so we uh we we gather up all our crap we go to this this random house in the middle of nowhere it's a big house it looks like it's a like a kappa alpa bs you know like one of those houses a you know sorority house and as we're getting in there you know you got to pay like to get in the door like 10 bucks and i'm already stoked because i'm like oh people are paying to see us this is going to be amazing and uh and as i'm looking i'm like seeing this person kind of passing out like falling over in the doorway and i'm like uh oh this is not looking good so i remember helping the person up out of the doorway uh they tried to charge us to get in and i said no we're, we're a band we're playing here at 3 a.m and and they took us to where we're supposed to play so at that point we're led down into this like backyard there's this awesome camper there and there's people up on top of the camper there's people on the roof there's people just wearing crazy shit there's fire breathers it's three and it's it's okay so at that point it was like one in the morning because i always get there super early and so it's one in the morning it's going off it's so crowded and packed and i can't wait to play there's bands like playing i'm stoked 230 rolls around we've got our drum sets we're at the side of the stage me and timo the old drummer are just super stoked 3 a.m can't wait you know and then 259 comes and the band takes all their crap off and then we start to move the drum sets into the stage area and at that point uh the chick comes up to us and she says hey uh i'm sorry you guys aren't playing right now and i looked at her and she was telling timo the drummer and he comes up to me he's like, dude we're not playing and i go what we're playing I, dude it's three it's three it's our go time and then he's like we're not playing and he was pissed and then finally i walked up to the girl and i go hey what's going on it's 3 a.m it's time to go like it's our go time and she says oh i'm so sorry to tell you don bolts is here and i'm like and okay what does that mean and she said well don's here and i'm all okay like don bolts he's from the germs uh he's you know he wears these big russian babushka hats seemed like a super cool guy you know uh germs is come on they're they're legend they're legendary you know punk rock band and uh and so all of a sudden i'm like what's going on so now don bowles pulls out this this like table like a, a table like a school table or like it's just like a kitchen table type thing he puts it down and then he pulls out his macbook okay and i'm like what the hell is going on and timo is pulling his drums out of there like like and then all of a sudden after about 15 minutes don bowles starts making some weird ambient noise you know on uh on the on the the, on the mic on the on the deal and i'm like what's going on and it's it doesn't sound good at all it's like it, it basically sounds like uh you know you're you're on mars i mean believe me that's totally cool especially at three o'clock in the morning but when there are bands happening and and people are ready to dance it really was not the place for that so it just got kind of awkward and uh 
like, I, I thought he was going to be there for, like, you know, a minute or two, and it, it, it wasn't that. It was basically, it, like, I'm trying to pull up some, some tunes to go with this to give you a, because it wasn't even this cool, let me tell you. So, so as we're doing this, So as he's doing this, there's just this crazy, just noise. It's not even, it's not even this good. And uh, I'm pissed, pissed. So I start just staring at Don Bowles, staring at him like, like death. And he's just like this, he's on his Mac, MacBook. He's rocking his MacBook. And he's just all. With this big babushka hat. And he knows I'm just staring right at him. I'm staring right at him. And he won't even look at me in the face. He wouldn't have the decency to look me in the face. So he does this until... I waited until it was like five. And at that point, we weren't playing. And I think I went till six. I think he was still just making this ambient noise at six. And I started saying shit. I started saying stuff out loud like, oh, come on, man. Come on. Like, this is enough. And, and finally, yeah. So, how I'm going to end this show and every show is fuck Don Bowles. So, that's why it's got to be uh, X, uh, not X-rated, but uh, now explicit. So, anyways, guys, that's my my story. That uh, is germs related, and now I'll get you like seven seven degrees of separation. So, uh, Pat Smear played in, in uh, he played in the germs. And he also played in Foo Fighters. And he also played in Nirvana. So Nirvana is one of my biggest, uh, biggest influences. So yeah, I'm totally, I'm going to have to make those shirts. Fuck Don Bulls, of course. You think I'm not? I've already thought of that. <laughs> and I'll have to do them on the Hurt Tour. And then I'll also do a, a like a podcast one. Like, what does it all mean? And then fuck Don Bowles and I'll probably get like a big babushka hat just a big babushka hat fuck Don Bowles what does it all mean so you guys get it so all right thank you guys for uh staying up with me or starting your day with me I appreciate it I'm gonna start to do more episodes as uh, I get the hang of this it's super fun and uh I love you guys <laughs>